Hey, good to see you here. You are currently listening to Inspire Church Metro Manila. We are one church in multiple locations, and we exist to inspire people to fulfill their God-given potential. We are so glad that you're tuning in right now. Welcome home. Learn more about us by visiting inspiremetro.live. Lean in and enjoy. Welcome to Inspire Church Metro Manila, what we love to call Sunday's Best Hour Online Experience. Welcome if it's your first time tuning in. My name is Nolan and me and my wife, we get the honor and privilege to lead our Metro Manila location. But I love it. I love how we are not just a a Metro Manila based church. We are a global church. We've seen people all over the world just tuning in. So hey, do me a favor right now. Get, Get on your screen. If you're on full screen, minimize that real quick. Get into the chat and type where you are engaging from come on type your name type where you're where where you're at i saw people last week from japan mushi mushi harigato top ramen and i don't speak japan but japan japanese right (laughs) also people from england once again people from the united states of course philippines laguna there's a lot of people in laguna welcome to our online experience it's going to be good look 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 look. i I know you're typing right now but if you could type people are going to greet you people are going to welcome you you guys are family today is going to be an amazing thing I am excited because we are starting a new series. We are in a series called Out of the Peripheral. Hopefully that blessed you, taking Jesus out of the peripheral and placing him into your center vision. But this week, this starting week, and then I think it's going to go three weeks, we are going to let you in to what we like to call the kitchen. (laughs) Some of you, you've only watched the living room. Everything is looking well. Everything is going good. You know, people are, 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 are welcoming you. The kitchen is where it gets a little messy. The kitchen is, is where people actually do the hard work. And in other words, what I'm trying to say is this. I want you to know not just the front of our church, but inside the church. I want you to know not just the name, but the people. And so we are going to take a couple of weeks and we are going to just share what Inspire Church is all about. I know there's thousands of people who have been engaging just recently because of the pandemic. And I want you to know, I don't want you to be a viewer. I want you to be a family member. I don't want you to just watch. I want you to be part. And so in the next couple of weeks, we're going to dive in and we're going to talk about different cultures of Inspire Church. What makes Inspire Church Inspire Church? It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Come on, somebody in the chat, type culture right now. Remember universal sign of chatting, typing, whatever this is, keyboarding. (laughs) Type in the chat, culture, culture, culture. And so to start off our series, I wanted you to know that we are one church, multiple locations. And so I wanted to make sure that you also saw or or heard right from who started Inspire Church. And so I'm excited for you and for me to experience part one of what we like to call 
Culture Kings. It's going to be, that's the name of our series. And we are going to hear from our own senior pastor, Pastor Mike Kai. So lean in, engage, get your headphones on or place your TV all the way up so your neighbors can hear also. It's going to be an amazing word. Let's go. Welcome, everybody. It's so good to have you at Inspire Church. My name is Mike Kai. I'm the senior pastor. And if you notice, it's different. We decided not to use the stage, although we are back on in-person services. But our online family and community is still the priority to us. And so we are so grateful and so honored. So throughout this room is just a few of our amazing staff members at Inspire. And uh, so they're here to give me some encouragement, but also they're wearing their masks. And we've all learned how to smile behind masks. So we make our eyes smile, even though we can't see our grins and our faces, but we make our eyes smile. I even wonder if we could do both. You know, can you smile and scowl at the same time where you're listening to me, but inside? No, I don't think it's possible. The eyes are the window to the soul. So thank you and welcome everybody um, in our Inspire Global family. We want to welcome you here. So we're so excited. Um, right now on this weekend in Hawaii, they have shut down just a little bit, but we're excited that the church is still alive and it is still open. So welcome to our services. Um, we are in a series that I wanted to start that coincides with my book, The Pound for Pound Principle. But I, what I really want to talk about is I want to talk about the values of our church because our online family, wherever you are in the world, has exponentially grown to include people from all over. I want you to shout out right now. Shout out your nation. Shout out your city. Go ahead in the chat. Tell us where you're from. If you're from Barcelona, if you're from Brazil, if you're from Sydney, or if you are from Singapore, if you're in Manila, or you're in Miami. We just want to know. And if you're from Hawaii, just give us a shaka emoji wherever you at in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I, I, I failed to mention, but I know you've heard it in the pre-service, but this is the 10-year anniversary of my book called The Pound for Pound Principle. People ask me, is that the only book you've written? No, I've written um, Perfectly You for my wife, Lisa. No, I haven't. <laughs> no, I haven't. That's all her. Somebody, that's all her. But I have written um, plateaus about when you get stuck in life, and that's a great book. But this book, The Pound for Pound Principle, is a book that has like nine lives. It's like a cat. I call it a walking manapua. If you don't know what a manapua is, it's a char subao. It is walking. It has nine lives. And so this is the 10-year anniversary of the book, and I'm really excited about it. But really what I want to talk to you about is the values of church. I love church. You know, church is awesome to me. I got, I pastor a church, but I got saved in a church. I gave my life to Jesus in the church. I found my purpose in church. Um, I found my wife at church. Like, uh, come on, if you found your spouse in church, somebody say amen. amen. Come on, if you found them in the club, say uh-uh. No, just kidding. Don't say that. Some of you got found in the club, and now you saved, so we're excited for you. I'm just saying that because I used to go to the club before I got saved. But anyway, I digress. But I love the church. In the church, I found my purpose. Um, in the church... Uh, is where I found what God wanted me to do for my life. And I bet you, even though you're not going to be a minister for in, in, in this sense of what I'm doing, and maybe you might, but very few of us will, you can still find purpose in the church. It's church. And church is not a country song. Take me to church. It's not a pop song. Um, they can use church in that way, but the church is alive and the church is so important. And so the church, the big C, there are values for that. There are principles of church. And for each church, it's distinctive and different. But for the universal church, it's important. 
For the universal church, we believe in, in, in the deity of Christ. We believe in the Trinity. We believe in the resurrection. We believe that there's one way, the truth and the life to heaven, and that's Jesus Christ. We believe in salvation through faith um, and, and not of works. Uh, we believe in the universality, uh, if I said that right, but in the universal beliefs of who the church and Jesus Christ is. That's what we believe. We believe God is almighty and he is one and the creator. We believe in the present ministry of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the perfect obedience of Jesus unto death on the cross. That's what we believe. People waving at me through the windows. I'm giving them shakas and they're going, what is pastor doing up there? And he's getting his groove on. But I can tell you that there are distinctives and there are DNA traits that differentiate us from other churches. Uh, not to say that we're better, we're not. We are just who we are. We are who we are. And so if I look at um, the DNA of Inspire Church, locally and globally, we strive to become the same that we were and always curating who we are. So for example, if you were to come to one of our buildings in Manila or three in Hawaii, and you were to walk in, I would presume that you would walk in with a feeling of warmth. From the moment that you get into the parking lot, you'd already feel the love of the Holy Spirit around you. You'd walk up and you would see the beauty of its people. That you would see that they are come in all different ethnicities and, and in socioeconomic um, uh, backgrounds uh, and demographics. Um, you would find that this would be what Miles McPherson calls, Pastor Miles McPherson calls the number two Skittles church in America. He says his is Skittles. He says you're the most Skittles next to ours. I think we more Skittles. We got every color in the bag. Um, I got seven nationalities myself in, in, in my blood. Um, I got royalty and loyalty inside my DNA. Hey, um, I'm just getting a little carried away here. But think about this for a moment. When you were walking in, you'd feel the sense of welcome. You would feel the Aloha Spirit. You'd feel, you'd feel the Holy Spirit. Uh, you would see the sign that says, Welcome Home. You would walk in and you would see the excellence in the building. You'd see the design, the architecture. Uh, you would walk in and say, wow, somebody put some thought into this and planning. Uh, you would sit in the seat and then you would feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. You would see the worship. It would resonate with your heart, Pastor Frank, as he leads us in worship. You would sense and believe all of this because of all of this. And you would walk away going, hmm, that just happens, doesn't it? And the answer is no. The answer is, it is intentionable. Intentional, not intentionable. It is intentional, and it is duplicatable. And so, as we look at the values of what makes Inspire, Inspire, just, I, I just got to go to First Kings. And I got to go to when the Queen of Sheba heard all about Solomon and the temple of God in the city of Jerusalem, that there was something in this queen that said, I got to go, I got to go see this for myself. And so even though you are in person right now, we really want you to feel that even online, that the in-person, they get that it's tangible, you can feel it. But I'm praying that online, that you can sense it, that you can feel it. You say, I, what you're talking about, Mike, is I'm feeling it online right now. I'm feeling the excellence. I'm feeling the warmth. I'm feeling the love. I see the Skittles. I see all of that. And that's what I like about this. And this is why I've called this my global community. This is why this is my church. So the Bible tells us that before there was a First Kings chapter 10 of the Queen of Sheba interacting with Solomon, there was a First Kings chapter 3. 
And in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5, the Bible tells us in the New Living Translation, it says that that night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, what do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. I need to set this up and mention that Solomon had become the new king of Israel. His father David had died, and David was the greatest king that Israel had ever known, and even to this day, David is considered the greatest king that Israel had in its history. But when you look at David, David had a number of sons that he could have picked in order for them to take on the throne. And there was something different about Solomon that God wanted Solomon to become the new king of Israel when David passed on. Now, you have to remember that Solomon is the son of Bathsheba. Now, we all know what happened with David and Bathsheba, but this is his son. And so now he's got this son, Solomon. He raises him, and Solomon is the chosen one. And David dies, and Solomon sleeps, and then the Lord appears to him in a dream and says, What do you want? Ask me for anything, and I will do it. How many of us, if God were to come to you at night, last night, and he were to speak speak to you, or tonight when you go to bed and God speaks to you, and he says to you, what do you want? Ask for anything, and I will give it to you. What would what would be the ask? What would be the ask, right? I mean, we'll do some, we, we, we would do a big ask. What would be the big ask that you would that you would ask? Would it be for God? I want my kids to grow up godly. Right? Would it be, God, I want you to protect my family and my, my family and my children and the children and the children from the pandemic, right? Or God, I want a house. I live in Hawaii or I live in New York where it's real difficult. God, I want to buy a house. What would be your ask? Would it be, God, I need healing for cancer for one of my friends or my mom or my dad. God, I want you to bring comfort to a family that needs it right now. God, we need money. We, 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 we laid off. We need help. God, what would it be? What would it be? What would be your ask? You know, Solomon, and at the position, think about this for a moment, could ask for anything. In fact, his David, his father David wrote, ask of me and I will give you the nations. I will give you the nations. And you know what? He could have asked for anything, but the Bible tells us that Solomon asked differently. And he asked rightly. He had no idea that at this moment, a test was being presented to him. What do you want? What do you want? You know, it's interesting because what you ask for is often a test that is a, or a measurement of what is going on in, inside of your life or inside of your heart. It could be either a life situation or you could be a heart situation. You could be asking for yourself or you could be asking for somebody else. Whatever it is, he asks. And then it says, uh, in verse 6, and Solomon replied, you showed great faithful love to my servant, my father David, your servant, my father David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you have continually to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Now, oh my Lord, you have made me king instead of my father David, but I'm like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous, they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? What a humble ask. What a humble request, right? God, I need wisdom. I can't do this. This is too great. The task is too huge. And then it says in verse 10 that the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you've asked for wisdom in governing my people, right? God's heart is his people. With justice 
and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my covenants as your father did, I will give you a long life. And then Solomon woke up and realized it had been a dream. Can you imagine if he woke up? Oh, it's just a dream. Oh, bummer. I was, I was hoping it was real. Have you ever had the other one? You woke up and you said, oh, I wish it was a dream, but it wasn't. You ever been there? I've been there before. Oh, I wish this wasn't just a dream, but it wasn't. He wakes up and it was just a dream. And what? He goes about his business. What does he do? He returned to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, where he sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. Then he invited all his officials to a great banquet. I love this. So now we fast forward. Several years go by. Solomon is now a great king. He is incredible. Um, his kingdom has spread. God has blessed him with wisdom and riches and wealth for his country. He's got peace on every border, on every side. Um, there are people, emissaries from other countries that are coming to visit. He's got, you know, little mini conferences going on and he's got practicums and he's teaching everybody. This is how you do it in your city. This is how, but you need God, man. You guys need God, you know, over there in, you know, in the, in Asia, you need Jesus. So, you know, Jesus wasn't there yet, but anyway, Jesus is the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. He was and is and is to come. He was already in heaven with his father. But anyway, I digress. So now he gets all of what he didn't ask for, but he gets what he asked for. It was wisdom. That's why we got the book of Proverbs. Okay. Now, this woman, this queen, has heard of his fame. And then the Bible tells us in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Now when the queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, which brought honor to the name of the Lord, right? So, right? His glory because of his blessing on our lives. He receives glory. She came to test him with hard questions. He's like, easy money. I got this. And she arrived in Jerusalem with a large group of attendants and a great caravan of camels loaded with spices, large quantities of gold and precious jewels. Look at what she's bringing, right? And when she met with Solomon, she talked with him about everything she had on her mind. Uh, Solomon had answers for all the questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba realized how very wise Solomon was, and when she saw um, the palace he'd built, she was overwhelmed. She was also amazed at the food at his tables, right? How's that buffet? That buffet must have been unreal, right? And, and, there's, and, and the organization of his officials, in other words, where they were seated, and their splendid clothing and the cupbearers and the burnt offerings Solomon made at the temple of the Lord. And she exclaimed to the king, everything I heard in my country about your achievements and wisdom is true. I didn't believe what was said until I arrived here and I saw it with my own eyes. In fact, I had not heard the half of it. Your wisdom and prosperity, they're far beyond what I was told. How happy are your people? They must be. What a privilege for your officials to stand here day after day listening to your wisdom. Isn't it a privilege? I'm just, I'm just checking. I'm just checking. Yeah, you have. They get paid to say amen. Anyway, and praise the Lord your God who delights in you and has placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king so you can rule with justice and righteousness. 
And then she gave the king a gift of 9,000 pounds of gold. Everybody, I don't know, that's a, that's a thousand, right now it's a thousand dollars an ounce. So $16,000 per pound, multiply that by 9,000. I don't even know the math on that. It's incredible. Then great quantities of spices, precious jewels. Never again were so many spices brought in as those that the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Verse 13. And the king of Solomon gave the queen of Sheba whatever she asked for, besides all the customary gifts he had so generously given. Then he and all her attendants returned to their own land. Can you imagine what that must have been like for her? Like she brought her officials with her, right? She brought a caravan. So she brought an army with her because you're carrying all that gold. You gotta, you gotta have some protection. So all of the people that were able to travel with the Queen of Sheba began to see it. It just wasn't uh, Sheba, the Queen of Sheba. She was there. She was there in his audience and she spoke. And I guarantee you some of her officials were with her. And she began to glean everything that she learned about the culture, the culture of the reign of King Solomon. I wonder if there was a culture statement. I wonder if they practiced it. I wonder if they spoke it. I wonder if they told it to their people. I wonder because it was filled with intentionality. And if you are going to build anything in your life, your family, your business, your nonprofit, your church, you have to be intentional. Because either you will build the culture or somebody or someone else or something else will build it for you. So I don't have time to go through all of the cultural values, but I can tell you what happened when she saw it. Number one, the Queen of Sheba saw that culture was established. She saw it was established in order for it to be experienced. In other words, it was established in excellence. And everybody experienced it. So she saw it with her own eyes. As a matter of fact, verse 4 says, When the Queen of Sheba realized how very wise Solomon was, and she saw, she experienced it, it was established that the palace that they had built, she was overwhelmed. So she saw that the culture that he had created had already been established. If you're going to establish culture, you have to start somewhere. How do you start? This is the way I started. I started with what I didn't want. Because it's easier that way. I, what, what do you not want? What do you not want? I don't. I didn't want uh, a church that gossiped. So we contend for our staff a, a zero gossip policy. Um, I didn't want a church that was always fighting because I heard of those churches. Um, and not to say that we didn't have some of that, but I didn't want a church that got split and all that. In Jesus name, I don't want that. So I said, we're going to contend for a culture of unity. So we did that. Start with what you don't want so that you can start with what you do want. And then you get it established. Number one, she saw a culture that was established. Number two, she saw a culture that was taught. It was taught. The culture was taught so that it could be caught. I've heard it said before, and I don't agree with it. I've heard it said before. or With this group, it's caught and not taught. And I always felt that anything that you have to catch that isn't taught, uh, people, people, you don't know what they're going to catch. They might catch an attitude. Um, they might catch something wrong. And if you don't teach it, it will not be caught. If you don't teach it, people can't catch it. So it, number one, it's established. And number two, it is taught so that it can be caught. That's what she saw. Number three, I think that she also saw a culture that was curated. It was curated so that it could be refined. So curation, 
Um, actually, the word curated actually or curate comes from an English word that means it's actually a pastoral position of someone that is taking care of content and also taking care of of, of really of furniture, um, furnishings, um, the F, F and E of a church building. So it's the curate. So to curate something actually means that it is sifted through. So that if you get a message, you sift through that message in order to find what you can curate and you can use for the long run. There are going to be times that I need you to curate because I'm going to just say stuff right off the top of my head. And I go like, oh, I didn't get that. That's the Holy Spirit. And then I'll forget and I'll keep on going. It's, it's curated. It's curated. Culture is curated. It's established and it is taught and it is curated so it can be refined. Um, um, the master craftsman keeping at their master craft. Um, it's always being sharpened. It's becoming better more than ever before. I think it's important. Number four, I believe that the culture was cultivated. The culture was cultivated. I'm going to trip over my own rug. It's the culture was cultivated, that you have to cultivate culture in order for it to grow. So it has to be nurtured. You nurture the culture. So nurturing the culture, the culture is cultivated. And then number five, the culture, I believe, was it was protected. Because you need people who protect the culture. Um, when I was growing up, my mom would say, oh, we don't do things like that. We're, we're the Kais. Uh, well, all my friends are doing it. So, But look, you are a Kai. You're not doing it. Okay? The great Dr. Sam Chan says, it's the way we do things around here. It's the way we do things around here. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. You guys are slow. You're not on it. You're supposed to come back with online. Say, let me hear you. Type it out. Say, this is how we do it. This is how we do it around here. And you might do it like that around there. You might do it like that around here. But around here, this is what we've established. We've, we've cultivated. We've curated. Um, this is what we taught, what we teach. And this is how we do it here. So we protect it here. But the other thing about culture is I want to add this. And I don't know if it happened there in, in Israel. But it's fluid. It's fluid. Your culture values are not always the same for your organization. Sometimes you're like, you know, we, we, yeah, I think that's a given already. And we've had those. That that's a given. That should be a given. Oh, we're a culture of love. Well, we're a church. We're Christians. Automatic, right? <laughs> right? So then we were like, okay, we put that on the side because we, we're automatic. But now what's going on in the world, you got you to gotta look at your culture values again. With what's going on with society, you have to. Because people are asking, do you believe in that? So you have to make sure that you do that. And it's fluid. It's like, I'm not quoting the great prophet Bruce Lee, but he said, be like water, my friend. Be like water. Anyway, see, I can't do that in a studio by myself. I just, it's just not fun. Be water, my friend. Okay, so now let's talk about real, the time that I have left. And I'm going to go lickety-split. With the three marks of the Inspire Church culture. All right? All right. Pastor Frank, on the keyboards, don't look at the board. Give me the first one. Ah, that's a trick question. No, don't worry. Don't worry. It's all good. It's number one. It seeks honor. It seeks to honor. Number one, it seeks to honor. Pastor Clinton, you're not even looking. Tell me what number two is. Hey, it strives for excellence. You didn't have that deer in the headlights look. I'm just kidding. Uh, This is not a test. Uh, Give me number three. Oh, my <laughs> See? Oh, we're going to have to. It's, it, I, I'm always teaching it, but they're not catching it, people. It is. It. Here, number one, it's honor. It seeks to honor. We have a culture of honor. And our culture of honor is 360 degrees. As a matter of fact, King Solomon, in verse 1, it says in chapter 10, when the Queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, 
which brought honor to the name of the Lord. It brought honor to the name of the Lord. And the culture that we create should bring honor to God. Something that God is proud of. We don't just honor me and I honor you by your title, Pastor Frank or Pastor Clint or Pastor DJ. We don't just use the word pastor just so I can honor them. That's why. No, it's more than that. We honor 360 degrees. We honor everybody. And if we fail in that, we need, we fix it because we want everybody that walks into this place, uh, online that feels honored. They're honored. And so that's what it was experienced. Okay. I want you to see what she said at the end of verse seven. At verse seven, she said, your wisdom and prosperity are far beyond what I was told. How happy your people must be. What a privilege it is for your officials to stand here day and night listening to your wisdom. Praise the Lord your God who delights in you and placed you on the throne of Israel. A spirit of honor leads to greater honor. You ever see or hear or talk to somebody who's full of dishonor? Full of dishonor for their family? Always talking bad about their family or their parents dishonoring their mom and dad? You ever around anybody that dishonors a pastor, their pastor, another pastor? And I, I, I just think that you want to live a life of honor. Yes. And then when you give honor, I believe you get honor. Right. I believe you get honor. So I'm not giving honor so that I can get honor. I'm just, we just live honorably. And I think that's the mark of one of the marks of inspired churches. Welcome to a culture of honor, everybody. Number two, it strives for excellence. It strives for excellence. As a matter of fact, in verse four, when the queen of Sheba saw and realized how very wise Solomon was, and when she saw the palace he had built, she was overwhelmed, and she was also amazed. Go to verse 7. And she said, I didn't believe what was said until I arrived here and saw it with my own eyes. In fact, I had not heard the half of it. In other words, she'd already heard about it. And I want to add something about culture. A great culture is talked about. You think about one of the great companies in America, Chick-fil-A. And I'm praying for a Chick-fil-A. To partner with Inspire Church. I got a piece of property for a drive-by chicken filet, everybody. Chick-fil-A in Jesus' name. Come on. We are your church. Let's partner together. But Chick-fil-A, Truett Cathy, was one of the great leaders. And their philosophy and culture is of excellence in its people. It's not just its product. It's not just its chicken. We do chicken right. Eat more chicken. Their marketing is great. But you know what? Excellence was permeated all of Jerusalem because you had a godly man on the throne who knew how to govern with wisdom and justice and God poured out the blessing on all of the people as well it was said in Jerusalem that silver was like pebbles like pebbles right and rocks were like cocoa puffs I'm just kidding but you know what I'm saying but for real silver was like pebbles on the ground and gold Seemed to be very common. And so the blessing over the people, the excellence in which they did things, and excellence is intentional. Now, let me say this. The effort of excellence, in my opinion, is greater than the goal of excellence. Because perfection will never be achieved. Golf carts going by, they call in my name. That's the mic, come play. <laughs> Think about this for a moment. Your pursuit of excellence is really the journey and the destination. Because we will never be perfect. We are only being perfected. The only time we will reach perfection 
is when the bride of Christ, the church, is taken up. And we are in the presence of God. And that's going to be amazing. And here's my last one, number three. Number three. Not only does it strive for excellence, but number three, it inspires generosity. Excellence inspires generosity. Think about this for a moment. You can either inspire generosity because of your great need. That that definitely inspires someone's generosity. When they see how well you use what you use, no matter how little it is, that pound for pound, you knew that was coming, but pound for pound, that you maximize your resources, your talent, your facilities to the most that you can. And then you see somebody with a heart of generosity and goes, I see what you do with what you have. I see how much you have and what you do with it. I see to whom much is given, much is required, much more is demanded. That attracts generosity because of the excellence of your spirit and the honorable way that you handle resources. But it inspires generosity because she came with her gifts. She showed up with 9,000 pounds of silver, spices, the spice racks must have been amazing because back then the food was bland, you know what I'm talking about? But when you start adding a little pepper and you some, some paprika and then you got some, you know, some uh, turmeric, then you add some little, you know, you, this, there, was, there was like bland all over Jerusalem. They were like, they're doing that all over Jerusalem, all over the food. Bring me your plate, sir. Bam, there you go, sir. Enjoy that. Spices like nobody had ever seen. And then when he sent her on her way, he gave her more than she could imagine. You know, before the COVID lockdown, and I, I, whenever I would go and speak somewhere at a conference, or I would go to a conference and attend a conference, go to a church and speak at a church, I'd always bring, you guys, you guys know this, my favorite cookies. Chips Ahoy, no, not kidding. Um, the Honolulu Cookie Company. I am giving you free press in COVID. Honolulu Cookie Company. All rights reserved. Honolulu Cookie Company. They're going to put it there just for love. I think we can. Honolulu Cookie Company. And my goal is to give a box to a driver, to a faithful servant, to a pastor who's hosting me, a speaker, to a front desk manager. My whole goal is to go home with a lighter suitcase. The goal is that my suitcase is heavy going there, but lighter coming back. But can I tell you, most of the time, I'm going back with almost the same weight, if not more. Because generosity begets generosity. I'm going home with food that I can bring across. Uh, I'm going home with more than I expected. Lisa even asked me once, can you bring back some, uh, some empanadas from Buenos Aires the next time you come back? And I came back with some empanadas and I was held up at customs because I, uh, I declared it. I said, these are fresh. They're great. I just want to declare them so you can pass them by. So, oh, we can't do this. You shouldn't have said nothing. I said, I'm a pastor. I got to claim everything. <laughs> I always come back with more than I expected, even though I go to unload everything that I have. So I want to invite you to experience the culture of the kingdom more than the culture of inspire. Because the culture of the kingdom 
is filled and paved with the love of God. And to experience that in this season, I want to I ask you, have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus? Don't swipe, don't swipe. Listen to me right now. That if you've never given your life to Jesus to make him the Lord and Savior of your life, like, what more do you need? Is it another explosion? Is it another hurricane? Is it another layoff? Is it another shutdown? Is it another mask? What do you need to surrender your life to Jesus? Because that's why we're here, everybody. He came so that you and I would have salvation and life and life abundantly. Abundant life in the midst of a crisis. It is possible that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And if you would like to surrender your life, to give your life to Jesus, to make him the Lord and the Savior of your life, then wait no more. The wait is over. And if you want to surrender your life to Jesus, just repeat this prayer after me. And here's what's going to happen. You're, going to, you're basically giving up your rights. And you're saying, God, I give you the right to dictate my life from this moment forward. Because i, I got to ask you, how's that been working for you? You running your life. Is there an area of your life that is empty? Is there an area of life that you keep two steps forward, one step back? Is there an area of life that you don't want to give up? Is there an area of life, Jesus said... What is a prophet of man that he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Jesus loves you. He's here for you and wants you in his family. And if that's what you want, repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus. Just say, just say, Jesus. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins, my shortcomings, and my failures. Wash me clean. Cleanse me of all of my sin. Prepare a place for me in heaven and give me the assurance and the hope and the knowledge that you are walking with me day by day. Come into my life. Change me from the inside out. Thank you that the Holy Spirit is living in me and I'm alive and well more than ever before. Thank you for the gift of life being born again in Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen. If you just surrendered your life to Jesus, it is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. Um, text the number at the bottom. Answer us in the chat. Let it be known to all of us or someone who is listening and watching that you gave your life to Jesus. And continue to get plugged into the family of God and the culture of the kingdom. This is kingdom culture, everybody. God bless you. Aloha. Congratulations if you prayed that prayer. I want to, I just want to one more time encourage you. I, I want to thank you. I want to celebrate with you. So if you can right now, get in the chat. I, I know your, you know, your heart's pumping. Some of you are crying. Some of you are just filled with joy. But would you get in the chat right now? Let us know. Let us know. Type in the chat. I prayed that prayer. I, I surrendered my life to Jesus. The emoji hands. Come on, put it in the chat we would love to help you take your next steps and speaking of next steps if you've been tuning in and, and if you you know you, you've been part of the family and you're wondering hey what is my next step I want to grow I want to do more I, I, I don't want to just watch you could find out more information at inspiremetro.live inspiremetro.live and fill out one of our next step cards online and once again if you pray that prayer man from that message from culture kings solomon and just the story of bathsheba i love how at the end of the day 
that excellence brought her to praise God. And so if you surrendered your life, come on, type it in the chat one more time. Type it in the chat. Play, put, I, I pray that prayer. I surrender my life to Jesus. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Hey, welcome to the family once again. For everyone else, welcome. I'm praying for you. Hey, I want to leave you off. I want to pray a, a, a blessing over your life, all right? If you want to receive a blessing here, here we go. Lord God, I pray right now that tomorrow will be greater than yesterday. I pray, Lord God, that though it may seem like everything is against us, Lord, that we will remember that you are for us. Lord, I pray for restoration. Lord, I pray for healing. Lord, I pray that we will live a life of not just surviving, but of thriving. In Jesus' name, everybody types amen. Amen. Hey, we'll see you next Sunday. God bless you. Thanks for joining us and for listening to Inspire Church Metro Podcast. Stay in the loop by checking inspiremetro.live.